Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. My name is Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. So first I want to talk about some news. The big news as of this week, on Monday, June 4th, Microsoft announced that it would be buying GitHub for about $7.5 billion. So this sparked kind of an immediate and vocal backlash from the developer community as many still remember the monopolistic tendencies that Microsoft exhibited not that many years ago. Microsoft, for its part, did take pains to kind of highlight the developer and team independence that would remain with GitHub. An example of this, though, is the Atom Code Editor, as it's a direct competitor to the Visual Studio Code Editor that Microsoft has created. I did use Atom for a long time until I switched over VS Code. It's really a preference thing. But a statement issued by Nate Friedman, who will now be the new CEO of uh, GitHub, spoke directly to that. So he stated that they believe in the choice of editors, and it is a very personal decision that developers tend to carry with them for a long time. Their intent is to foster development and not be a hindrance, and therefore they appear to have every intention of continuing to develop the Atom browser. So it does remain to be seen how this will ultimately play out, But I do believe in giving them a chance. It's not like GitHub hasn't been around and had its fair share of trouble in the past. And being on a better financial footing with a company that has seen a remarkable turnaround in embracing open source and developers may be a good thing in the long term. That being said, I for one will be closely watching this as I do love GitHub and what it's done up to this point. And I'm very hopeful that Microsoft will take it in a solid direction, but we will just wait and see. Not intentionally speaking of more Microsoft news, but Visual Studio Code uh, 1.24 did get released. It's a newly updated version, but it's really bringing a lot of updates and tweaks to the interface and the underlying code. There isn't any major new features that I saw, um, but there's a couple of other items that are of interest. Some of the more interesting changes and additions I saw are a fallback. DOM or the document object model renderer for the integrated terminal if it detects that performance is slow. And also with the integrated terminal, they've added italics xterm support. And they did add a little thing that seemed useful, which is syntax highlighting for deleted lines in the diff views. But a lot of it was a bunch of different updates, TypeScript, notably the 2.9, and some features such as updating import references when you do file moves or renames. And so finally, they also add this little preview section of what they're kind of working on and what to expect next. And the most exciting one that I saw is an editor grid layout, which lets you kind of easily drag and drop files onto the editor view to create these arbitrary horizontal and vertical editor layouts. Really useful if you want to display a couple different files side by side or move around. But it always seems to be kind of hard in the past to split the editor in the ways that you want. Just being able to drag and drop where you want things seems like it's going to be pretty awesome. So I'm looking forward to that in the next version. Finally, an application I've talked about a lot and have fallen in love over and over again is a note-taking application called Notion. It's really grown since I first started using it, but finally it has released an Android version. So other than being able to access all of my notes on mobile, 
The main reason that I was interested in this app is for the reminders. They did a revamped reminders and dates functionality within Notion a while back. But for me to use the reminders, it had to have these notifications that came on desktop, which just was not that useful. So now that I'm able to get those push reminders to my phone, I can actually use a date and reminder features and not fear about missing out on a notification. And additionally, just having all of my notes and files available on the go will be a huge benefit as I often do look back at things and guides I've written. So in fact, all of the show notes are written in Notion, for example, with this. So check it out. It's pretty awesome and it only gets better. So two links and resources that I, I kind of found are uh, of use. One is about cores or cross-origin resource sharing. And this is in a site called frontendian.co. It's a tricky subject that can be tough to understand and hard to remember when you need to deal with it. But this article by Ryan Miller really tries to make it easier to understand and dispel some of the myths around it. It is something that developers often need to contend with, but having a solid understanding can really make one's life easier in the long run. But I like the article because it's written in a clear and concise style, and I certainly learned a few things. And if I've, I've had to deal with course before, but I couldn't say that I had a very solid understanding. So great author and great article. Another little resource site that I stumbled across called UI Goodies, and that's uigoodies.com. Um, and it has a number of useful tools and links to various things such as accessibility or color resources. Nothing too notable, but something to check out and see if there are any new tools or resources contained within that could help you. So finally, I did want to kind of talk about designing as a developer. So when I was thinking of a topic to discuss for this episode, I thought back to something that's come up a few times recently, and that is really about design when you're starting or primarily as a developer. For myself, I am far more on the technical side rather than the creative side. And though I do have some of those creative tendencies, you know, I play music and that kind of stuff, I've always approached design more on the functional side rather than more as an abstract or artful one. I believe that the approach really mostly depends on the project. And there are some projects that really do need a more unique and creative layout or design, whereas many simply need to look great, but with a more traditional motif. I certainly gravitate towards the latter as I am not that artistically inclined and creating a truly unique but functional piece of website art is perhaps out of my grasp. So what do I do as a developer who still needs to create those great looking but functional websites? Well, I start by looking into what others have done and how have many of the great website designs gotten to where they are. There are what I think are a few tentpoles to the designs that keep coming up no matter what the project is. And those for me tend to be, you know, spacing or white space, topography, graphics, color, and then small touches. So what I mean by spacing is that is there enough room to breathe for each of the elements that you aren't cramming a ton of the stuff together and perhaps removing elements or moving them to a different section or pages as necessary to maintain that clear design. Sometimes an easy way to get started with this is with a grid system with larger gutters and margins, such as 30 pixels. And then once all the elements are in place and spaced out, you can see what is too much or too little and how it might look. Another important element that is often overlooked or 
put by the wayside is topography. So that's kind of the placement and choices of fonts. And I've always found this interesting, though I am not great at picking unique combinations out. I do try hard to make sure that the designs have a logical rhythm and sizes. If you can follow a good hierarchy of font sizes, such as using, like, say, the modular scale, then you'll get a good start on the type sizes that make sense. You know, next, trying to kind of make sure that the total character width of items is not too great. I mean, like, how many you know, characters fit on a line. Usually between 50 and 85 characters is pretty solid, and it will make for a much more pleasant reading experience. And then finally, kind of experimenting with mixing serif and sans serif fonts will add some visual interest and also with kind of different weights and a, kind of a color hierarchy as well, but really trying to make it unique but logical because your eyes really do need to follow through that what it expects to be a you know a solid spacing of elements uh, with a mix of readability but it can add a lot to your design if you spend a little bit of time just kind of nailing down what is a good topography set up for your project in terms of graphics and colors i tend to look for some eye-catching graphics that really hone in the points that you're trying to make with the site. There are a lot of good resources out there for stock images and graphics that just require some attribution, uh, but will also give you some really good graphics that you can use. And you can also add some further visual interests with hover effects like uh, going to grayscale or uh, sepia or even these duotone type effects where you're, you kind of dual color the image and it really gives a cool highlight effect to it. But with the colors and the palettes, I tend to look for an overall theme that I'm going for, such as cool or warm. And then I'll pick, like, if you're doing a light background, say a, a off-white base background color that I can then find proper accent colors for. Sometimes this is easier or harder, depending on what you're starting with, if you have a given logo or graphic, but it's really a lot of experimentation. That's why I really liked uh, another tool that I've referenced in the past called Colors. C, I think it's C-O-O-L-E-R-S. Um, but it just very quickly lets you iterate after you've locked in a color and find those complementary ones. But tools like that that kind of give you the sense of like quickly going through and finding some color palettes that really work. Now do keep in mind too that different operating systems and browsers render colors differently. And I found that even with monitors. I have two monitors connected as the same monitors but connected in slightly different ways. And I found that the colors are not identical between them. And that really bit me uh, in a project before, and it took me a while to realize it. But it is something that you need to keep in mind because not only do you sometimes have to deal with that type of issue, but the different browsers and the different operating systems may have just different ways to render those colors. So it will be very rarely will it be exactly what you expect on everything. And then finally, kind of touching on what I call these small touches, I look for things like subtle drop shadows that highlight some depth, different colors and weights for type elements, small animations or effects like parallax, or even little geometric designs and subtle backgrounds 
that can add some texture and a little bit of visual interest. You know, I still do most of my sketching on paper just because it's a lot quicker and easier and then try to translate that to a design, you know, using another tool on the computer before going into coding it. But keep in mind that experimenting and trying to play around with that can make a big difference. So a lot of trial and error is involved over all of this, but it can help you to kind of create a list of sites, styles, and elements that you really like and figure out how and why those were done. Once you are to that point, you can really start to incorporate those into your own designs and how they can be used to create something uniquely yours, even if you aren't an artist yourself. So as a developer, I found that I try hard to logically put everything in what I would consider to be its, its unique place, where perhaps as an artist, they may think of it a little more organically. So it's been tough for me to translate a design as not just cookie cutter, but hopefully trying to combine a bunch of these different elements and then seeing if I experiment one way or the other with it, what it will do can really help you as a developer find a good in-between place where you're able to create some unique designs but work well. And then honestly, if you find yourself with a project that just needs a totally different direction, something really unique, bring in a designer that you've known and that does a great job. I mean, even if you're a solo developer, there's plenty of opportunity to kind of find someone that will meet that design need and you can learn from them you know yourself and try to learn a bit more about maybe that process or what you can incorporate in your designs so finally follow this podcast on twitter at bitvbyte and facebook at slash bitvbyte thank you for listening and please join us next week